My name is James Gleason, and I want to welcome you to the weekend teaching ministry of Sunrise Church here in Hillsboro, Oregon. Now, Sunrise is a church devoted to being a safe place to hear a life-changing message. And our vision is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so every weekend, we share a message of hope from God's Word, the Bible. Now, if you'd like to know more about discovering and growing in a relationship with the God who loves you, please take a moment to visit our website at www.isunrise.com. Now, from there, you can learn how to connect with the God who loves you. And you can learn how to grow with others along the journey of life. You can learn to develop a heart to serve the least, the last, and the lost. And finally, you can learn how to lead others to know Jesus Christ on this journey of disciples making disciples. And so now I invite you to follow along with our weekend message as you discover the heartbeat of God. Hey Sunrise, this is Pastor James. So thankful that you're tuning in with us. I want to give a shout out to my wife and the Gleason Watch Party in our backyard. Uh, I saw a couple pictures, you guys. Really uh, sorry that I can't be there with you, uh, but I'm just really thankful that you showed up. And for all those that are watching on Facebook or YouTube or on the web, we really hope and pray that as we do the worship and the service and the message and all this, that you're growing in your faith. We know that as we grow in our faith, we also have questions of faith. And so we've been in this series the last couple weeks asking questions to God. We've all got them and we've dealt with some pretty big questions. We're going to deal with a big one today and next week. But um, if you think about your question, what is it? As I disciple people, as I walk with people on faith journeys, one of the deeper questions that people dare not ask is this. Okay, I have faith and I believe. Well, why do I still have doubts? Why do I still struggle with an issue? I've already received Jesus Christ. I mean, after all, I believe that a guy died and was in the ground for three days and came back to life. So why can't I believe that prayer matters? Or why can't I believe that the Father, Son, and the Spirit are one? Or why can't I believe that the Bible and archaeology don't conflict? Why can't I believe, you know, on and on? Well, what I want to do is I want to ask that question about doubts. And I know you've had doubts. I mean, I've had doubts. Uh, The reality is this, is that if you don't have doubts, you're not a thinking person, really. And I think it's okay to have doubts. Um, We've all wrestled with issues. Um, I remember waking up one night and just staring up into the, the darkness of the ceiling of my bedroom. I was younger and single, and I thought, what if everything I believe isn't true? What if it's a pipe dream? What if this whole Jesus thing is a fantasy that people just kind of created 2,000 years ago? How do I know for sure? I mean, it was a hard, hard night to sleep. It really was. Um, so I've asked questions. I've doubted. I've wondered. Maybe you're struggling with an issue of doubt in your life, and it's, it's kind of an emotional one. You've given all, and you've loved, and you've served, and you feel like God hasn't shown up. Maybe he hasn't answered your question. We're going to deal with that one next week, but maybe you just keep knocking on the door of heaven and it seems like nobody's home. Or maybe it's something with your mind. Maybe perhaps you've been reading the Bible and all of a sudden you come across this story of an axe head floating in water or the seas parting or some guy named Jesus walking on water and you're like, I've never seen that before and I never will. How do I really know? Or maybe it's just something that you've struggled with that you just are struggling with acting on. 
Because if you act on it, it's like an issue of the will. You might have to make some changes in your life. And so you doubt that it would be true, right? Well, what do you do with your doubts? Today, I want to offer up the question of doubts uh, as really as three smaller questions. And I want to tackle them together. And there's a lot that I'm going to say. And so I hope you download the sermon notes. It's uh, right there on our isunrise.com page. Uh, or maybe you've got them in your watch party, kind of follow along. There's a lot of Bible verses and a lot of texts, but I want to touch on it from a topical perspective. And the first way to break it down is just ask the question, what am I even talking about? What is a doubt? Uh, what is a doubt? I mean, is a doubt that you don't believe? No, that's called unbelief. That's, you know, not a lack of faith. Uh, if you believe and have a lack of faith, that just means you lack faith in something. A doubt is an uncertainty. A doubt is a question. A doubt is like a shadow that you're not quite certain about. Um, an a unwillingness to believe, that's unbelief. A, a conscious or subconscious kind of a decision to say, no, I'm not going to put my faith in Jesus as God. I'm not going to believe what the Bible says. I'm going to live my life my own way. That's not doubt. That's just plain old foolishness, if you ask me. Uh, that's, a, that's an unbelief. But a doubt is something different. A doubt is to waver. A doubt is to believe and then not quite sure if you believe. To waver back and forth, it's an uncertainty. It's maybe to be up in the air on a question. I think it's okay to have those kind of doubts. In fact, I think a strong faith not only have doubts, has doubts, but weather has weathered a lot of doubts. In fact, I want to show you some Bible characters, uh, people that had doubts. Uh, the first one is from Psalm 22. Uh, this is King David. David is known as a man after God's own heart. And look what he says in the middle of this. He says, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Another verse says, another translation, why have you forsaken me? Why have you dropped me and left me? Why are you so far from me when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. Now, some of you would be really afraid to say something like that because the lightning bolt from heaven is going to zap you, right? You go, how could a guy say that and believe? Well, this guy had tremendous belief. Here's what I want to say. I want to say that that is actually a beautiful expression of faith. That is just telling God your question. That is just crying out to God with your need. That's a good thing. And, and although there's a doubt in there, it's a strong doubt built on a strong faith. Because after all, he's crying out to the God who he thinks abandoned him. He's just being honest with that. I mean, I love this. Um, does doubt show a lack of faith? Not really. I mean, there's another guy that I, I think about a lot when I think about doubt. It's John the Baptist. John the Baptist, an early follower of Jesus, uh, a cousin of Jesus, someone who knew who Jesus was. And um, he's a guy that said uh, to everybody in the crowd, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That, that's a pretty bold faith. Or uh, take a look at this. It says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Father God said that, and John was there as a witness as Jesus again baptized. He sees the heavens open and the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. I mean, he participated in this, right? He's the guy that looked at the crowd and said, I have seen and I testify that this is the son of God. So John sounds like he's got no doubts, right? Well, the fact is, he gets in prison for his preaching, his bold preaching, and he gets in a moment where he calls his disciples, and he says, hey, would you go check on something for me? And his disciples are sent to Jesus, and look what it says. It says here, John's two disciples found Jesus and said to him, John the Baptist sent us to ask you, 
<laughs> Check it out. Are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? John has a moment of doubt. John has a moment where he's questioning. Okay, I'm all in on this, but I just want to make sure. I've given everything. I'm in prison. He doesn't know. be soon to be beheaded for this. And, and he's given everything, and he goes, I just want to double check. Look what Jesus says in response. Then he told John's disciples, go back to John and tell him, what a knucklehead. Why won't you believe? No. What a foolish person, right? I'm going to write you off. No. Go back and tell him what you've seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. In other words, Jesus doesn't discard John. He, he just basically says, here's a defense. Here, here's some reality. Go back and give him some more evidence, and John will be okay. Some of you are in that situation. Uh, some of you are like David. You cry out. It's like, God, why have you left me? Why have you abandoned me? God's got some pretty big shoulders. Cry out to God. Yell at God. That's okay. He can handle that. The Psalms are filled with that. Some of you, though, you did put your faith in Jesus, and now there's some heartaches in life. There's some challenges in life. Maybe you're not in prison, uh, but, but you've felt imprisoned by some moments of your life, by some realities of life, and you're just not quite sure. Jesus wants to assure you. He wants to give you confidence, and he's going to speak to you. Um, I don't think that Jesus, you know, is going to throw you away because I don't think that doubt is necessarily unhealthy. In fact, as you go through here, I, I think it's kind of like one of those immunizations. I used to get them as kids. I typically get a flu shot at the you know, beginning of the, the season. And, and what they do is they inject a little bit of that, whatever that flu is or, you know, whatever it might be, chicken pox or whatever, and they give it to you. It's a dead part of it. And, and, and they inject it, and your body develops what an immunity to it. It builds up a strength against it. They give you a little bit of the virus so that then your body begins to be strong to fight off the virus because that is what doubt really is. When you think about it, we're dealing with a pretty strong virus in our world today, COVID-19. And hopefully there'll be an immunity. Hopefully they're, they're working on these shots. They're working on some kind of a cure. But it's going to take getting a shot to get it. It's going to take, you know, actually getting some of the disease in order to be strong. And that's why doubt is a good thing for us because it'll actually give us a stronger faith. Dr. Gary Parker wrote in his great little book, The Gift of Doubt, he said this, if faith never encounters doubt, if truth never struggles with error, if good never battles with evil, how can faith know its own power? In my own pilgrimage, if I have chosen between a faith that has stared doubt in the eye and made it blink or a naive faith that has never known the firing line of faith, I will choose the former every time. What is he saying? He says, hey, I, I'm going to experience doubt. I'm going to experience some struggles, but I'd rather go through that than be just foolish and just believe whatever somebody tells me. And then when a doubt hits me, I'm crushed, I'm toppled, I'm demolished. I'd rather, I'd rather have doubts and grow through those doubts and get to the point where I have a strong faith. And then I can stare any doubt straight in the eye and not flinch. Another good biblical example of this is the guy we call 
Doubting Thomas. And it's cool. He's a follower of Jesus, and all the other followers have seen Jesus resurrected. He's died. He's gone on the cross for our sins, and Jesus has shown back up in a room, but Thomas wasn't there. And they all tell Thomas, this is what we've seen. This is what we've heard. And he's like, whoa, wait a minute. I, I'm not going to believe that unless, unless I can see him, unless I can touch him. I got to put my finger in those holes. I want to know for sure that that's the same guy I saw have these spikes driven into his body. I want to touch those wounds. Well, this is what happens. It says, one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. Well, what an amazing thing. Goes on, then to have this dialogue, he says, I won't believe. Check it out. This is a moment of doubt. I won't believe unless I see it. I want to see the nail wounds in his hands, and I want to touch it. I want to have a, I want to experience it myself. I'm glad you guys believe, but I need some evidence. I want to put my fingers into those wounds. I want to place my hand into the wound on his side. Sounds kind of gruesome, right? But he goes, it's too much for me to believe. I've got to walk the journey. He goes on. And in the story, it says, eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly as before, Jesus was standing among them saying, peace be with you, Jesus said. Now check this out. Jesus is so loving. He comes up to Thomas, knowing exactly Thomas's doubt. He says, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into my wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. And look at the response of Thomas. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you've seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. You see, Jesus wants to have that kind of love and faith in you. You have a doubt. I know we have doubts. I know we struggle with doubts. I know there are issues going on in our lives where we just wonder, does God really love me? Has God really wiped all my sins away? Has he, has he cleared my slate? Because I'm feeling some guilt or I'm feeling some shame. And Jesus says, come on, let's put it to the test. Why don't you come to me? Why don't you touch? Why don't you see? Why don't you experience? But don't have any more doubts. Walk away from those. Well, another way to ask the question would be this. Another question is, how does the virus of doubt actually infect us? And this is something that I'd love to talk to you if you have a doubt. You could always email me at jamesg at isunrise.com. That's my personal email address. If you've got an issue of doubt, if you've got a virus infecting you, uh, maybe what I'm going to say today is going to help you. Maybe it's going to encourage you on a journey. Maybe it's just going to fall flat. But I'm going to tell you there's a way through this doubt. Because some of you are affected by doubt that comes into your mind. Uh, you know, the bottom line is there's a lot of intellectual questions we could have. I mean, how do I really believe in the resurrection? How could I put my faith in that? I mean, aren't those just stories made up? I mean, if I put all my faith in the Bible, what if somebody just wrote the Bible and made it up? Or how do I know it's, it's historically accurate? Or how do I know that, you know, Jesus was a real person? How do I know that in the Old Testament, the stuff about Moses and the parting of the waters and all that stuff, how do I know it's true? Because, I mean, I've believed it. And then I have coworkers or classmates question me or ridicule me. Somebody asked me about the Bible, and I tried to defend it. And they go, come on, aren't you a, a modern person that believes in science? And doesn't the Bible contradict science, so therefore we should throw out the Bible? Man, I've had doubts of the mind. 
I'm not an intellectual giant by any means, but I'm someone who reads and studies. I just uh, joined a class online through BibleTraining.org, and it's on the historicity and the reliability of the New Testament documents. And if that floats your boat, God bless you. You're a sick person like I am. But it's great. 21 lessons from Craig Bloomberg, a pastor, professor at Denver Seminary, on why you can trust the Bible. I eat that stuff up. Why? Because I have doubts sometimes, and I need to know. And so maybe it affects your mind. Maybe you need to write down the question. Maybe you need to express it. I have trouble believing this. Write it down. Stare it in the face of the firing line. Maybe it's not something about that. Maybe your mind, maybe it's an emotion. Uh, I, I know too many believers, and I, I love them, but they live their life on an emotional roller coaster. And doubts can come when you're not feeling that emotion. I, I love emotion as much as the next person. I love to go to worship services. I love to sing. I love to, to shout. I'm, I'm white, so I can't really dance, so don't hold that against me. But the fact is, is that I enjoy the emotion. I enjoy just that power of that moment. But you can't build your faith on that. It's an extra supplement. It's great to add to your faith. But faith has to be built on a rock, solid foundation, a conviction, a truth. But if you're a person that lives on your emotions, and your emotions are high, you've got strong faith, Right? or so you think, and then your emotions are, are low, and now you doubt. You have these doubts about your faith. Well, to you, I would encourage you, emotions are good. Emotions are great, but don't build your faith on that. Let your emotions follow your faith. Make sure you get them in the right order, right? Make sure that what you know you believe is true, and then whether you feel it or not, you're strong. I mean, if you've ever been in love with someone, if you've ever walked a journey with someone, you've been married, yeah, you know that feelings come and go, right? Especially, my wife and I have been married almost 25 years. And we knew each other five years before that. And I can guarantee on her part and my part, we don't always feel it, right? But that's not what keeps us together. It's the faith and the conviction, the commitment we made to one another. So emotions can be challenging. But also we can be affected because of this, because we have a lot of, we have a lot of pain in our life. Um, I, I love reading, and, and I was once reading about uh, some of the great atheists of the world, people like Karl Marx or Sigmund Freud or Bertrand Russell, Madeleine Murray O'Hare, uh, Frederick Nietzsche, even C.S. Lewis when he decided to become an atheist. It was all because of a death. For most of them, a father. Uh, for Lewis, it was a mother. When they were young, and, and they, they turned, because how could I believe in a God who would take that person from me? They either lost their father or they were abused by their father. You know, our emotions can twist us and our understanding of God. Doubts also affect our will. I spoke a little bit about this last week, but it's, it's hard to have a peaceful relationship with God when you're willfully sinning. Let me just be honest, church. I, I consider you a friend, and I just want to say this. If you consistently go down habitual patterns of sin, you will have doubts. Here's why. Because you will end up with an incongruency in your life. Blaise Pascal talked about this. That you have this line of belief, and then you have this line of behavior. It's kind of like two rails of a train track, the max train, right? And you know if those things begin to separate, you've got a problem. There's a delta there, right? There's, an, there's a cognitive dissonance in your life. Think about this. The Bible says this, but we act this way. And too often, this is what I've seen as a pastor. I just want to be honest and loving our behaviors begin to drift from the truth. And we begin to walk away into a sinful pattern. 
And, and there begins to be a tension inside of us. There begins to be an inconsistency and a pressure, and it begins to grow. Now, what God wants us to do, and I've talked about this before, is line our behavior back up with our belief, right? But if we continue in that disobedient behavior, a sinful pattern, could be sexual, it could be some kind of immorality, it could be an issue of truth, lying, it could be all kinds of things. If we continue on a pattern that way, we will begin to doubt our beliefs. Not because our beliefs aren't strong, because our behavior has gone off the rails. Well, God wants you to bring it back, but it's a willful issue. It's not so much an intellectual issue not so much an issue of the emotions. It's just you got to decide to do what Jesus said to do because he is good and he is a good God and longs for the best for us. Some of you, it's more of an issue of you've never even given your life to Jesus, to be completely honest. You come to church, you watch it online, so glad you do. But if you never really give your life to Jesus, you're going to have some belief, but you're also going to have some doubts. But your issue needs to be settled at the cross. You need to come to Jesus and you say, okay, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. I believe that by declaring with my own lips, by believing at my own heart, I am a person of faith. I'm a disciple. That's, that's your issue of faith. You need to deal with that. If you want to talk about that, uh, just email us at pastors at isunrise.com. We'd love to meet with you and talk with you. Final question before we close, and it's this. How do we strengthen our faith in spite of doubts? We got, we've got them. We've got doubts. How do we deal with our doubts and go on? Well, the first thing I say is this, is get to the root of your doubt. Get to the bottom. Figure out what it is. Define it. Name it. Did it enter through your mind, like I said, maybe through your emotion or your, your will? Name it. You know, it, it, maybe some of you, you have intellectual doubts. I just have a hard time believing fill in the blank. That's great. Uh, just declare it. Just write it out. Tell someone. And if you feel like that might be a little too threatening, email me. Seriously, folks, I love these things. I, I, I enjoy this. That's the kind of evangelism I love to do, where we sit down and we open the Bible and we open literature and we open history and we look at texts and we get to the bottom of it because I believe there's a bottom of it and I believe it's true because I've gotten to the bottom of it. Uh, one of my favorite things to do is to sit down with people who don't believe and just ask the hard questions. Jesus, he was so loving at that. He allowed people to ask hard, hard questions. Uh, I, I once led uh, for about a quarter semester uh, a, a small group for atheists. It was, a, it was a Bible study for atheists, and every week they came with all this ammunition, and we sat down, and I wasn't phased by anything anybody said. But when we took a look at it, I guarantee you there's an answer there, and there's something there. Now, you have to decide, though, what you're going to believe. Because I've run into a lot of people that have these kind of doubts, but they're not really doubts. They're just smoke screens. Let me be honest. Some of you have a doubt and you communicate your doubt. Oh, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in that. That's not your real issue. That's a smoke screen. Your real issue is something else. It's like an issue of the will. It's an issue of the emotions. You've been hurt deeply by someone and you just can't come to believe in God when someone abandoned you. Your spouse abandoned you. Your, your father or mother abandoned you. Just, just get to the bottom of it. Find the root, the problem. Um, and, and then ask for help. Ask for help from God. Ask for help from others. Like I said, just shoot me an email. I'd love to talk with you about it. Just be honest. There's nothing out of bounds. Just ask for help and deal with it. James 2, 4 says this. We do not have because we do not ask. Just go to God. 
not as a last resort, but as just an honest moment and say, okay, God, lead me to wisdom. I need to know. I need to dig into it. All the people who've struggled with faith did that. I remember as a college student, I read all of the books um, just of some of the people that struggled with doubt, uh, the Dawson McAllisters that dealt with this, uh, the people like today you could read, uh, you know, some of the, the, you know, the Case for Christ uh, by Lee Strobel, or, you know, you, you could go in there and you could say, these, these people started as atheists and they ask honest questions and they ended up as believers in Christ. Evidence that demands a verdict. It's all there. It's really good. Um, Maybe you need to investigate the truth. Maybe you need to jump into that. Maybe you need to say, okay, I've named my doubt. I've called out for help from God and others. Now I want to do the journey. I want to ask, if there is a God and he's good, how could he order the slaughter of all of those women and children in the Old Testament? Man, I just, I just struggle with that, right? If there is a loving God, how can he send people to an eternity in hell? Man, that's an emotional one, right? I just choose not to believe if, right? Well, just name it. Put it down there and begin to investigate it. I study history, archaeology, science. I love all that stuff. I'll help you with it. I'll, I'll, I'm going to say metaphorically speaking, I'll hold your hand, but not in the day of COVID. I won't touch you. You'll be fine. Um, but can I say this? Here's a better way to do it. Before all that strikes you, just take care of your spiritual faith. Take care of your spiritual health. Uh, I want to go to my dying day saying this. Just read your Bible. <laughs> Just open the Bible every day. Just pray. Get in a small group. Get with people. Pray in community. Walk in community. Live your life with other followers of Christ. Do the daily habits of health. And then you won't fall into the deeper pits of unhealth in the areas of spirituality. Um, hold the remaining questions in tension is what I want to conclude with. There are things that I don't know about. There are areas of my life where I still have doubts. Um, there have been moments that my doubts have been so big, I even wondered if, if I should call myself a pastor, right? There have been times I've wondered, how in the world is this going to come together? When the Bible says this and seemingly says the opposite over here, what am I going to do with it? Well, I've gone down the road of a lot of those, and I've come up with a lot of you know, good, solid answers. But there are some things I just don't understand. And here's the reality. My brain is too small to understand some things. And to insult you, your brain is too small to understand some things too. That's okay. You know, we're just finite creatures. And God is infinite. And although he's written this, this truth down for us in his word, the Bible, there's some things that are pretty hard to understand. We, we were in Panera the other day, and Pastor Taylor and I were going to meet, and, and I saw these guys, and they had their Bibles open, so I had to go harass them and find out what they're reading and talk to them and encourage them. And they go, we're in the book of Revelation. I go, oh, good. I figured that all out. And they look at me. I'm just joking. I just said, I've decided to be on Jesus' welcoming committee, not his programming committee. So I don't know who the beast is. I don't know who the dragon is. I don't know why there's a horn, and I don't get all that. But here's what I know. God loves me, and he's coming back to get me. I'm just going to settle it at that. Is there a thousand-year reign of Christ? Yeah, it says that. Some of you have doubts about that. That's okay. Don't worry about it. You know, when is the Antichrist going to come? Is there going to be a rapture? I believe it. But you know what? I'm not going to argue with you on that. Some things I just don't know. How, how do you figure out a trinity? Well, you get an egg or you get water. I don't know. Father, Son, Spirit, there's only one God. I'm just going to choose to believe some things and know that one day when I get to heaven, I'm going to join the remedial kindergarten class and Jesus is going to be my teacher. And I'm going to sit there and go, excuse me, could you answer that one one more time? Because I just don't get it. <laughs> but that's okay, folks. We are finite creatures. We have to live in the tension of realizing 
all of our questions will not be answered. And that's okay, because Hebrews tells us that that's faith. Not a blind faith, but a faith knowing we're stepping in the right direction. And we step into the light, and we go, there are some things I just don't understand. And that's okay, because I'm going to act on the things that I do understand. That's really the reality. There's this beautiful story in the Gospels I want to close with. It's from Mark 9, and I want to read it to you. And I think this will help you. It's helped me. A father has a, a, a boy that's got some lot of, lot of troubles. And so they brought the boy to Jesus. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion. And he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. So this father has a son who's demon-possessed. And um, that would be hard, right, to handle, that you've loved and cared for this child, and yet this, this other truth, this other reality, this other presence is in his life, causing him to act a certain way. So Jesus asked, how long has this been happening? He asked the boy's father. The answer is this. Since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire. Oh, can you imagine the heartache of that? Or into the water trying to kill him. Can you imagine that? Having your child with these convulsions? Have mercy on us and help us. Check it out. If you can. Oh, that's good. Look what Jesus says. <laughs> what do you mean, if I can? Jesus asked, anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. I love that. Jesus, help me if you can. Yeah, Jesus might speak some wonderful words that might sound a little harsh, but he's going to go, if I can, really, truly, if I can, because anything is possible if you believe. And here's what I would say. If you're wavering, yeah, I get it. I get it. But be honest about it. Go to Jesus and say, I do believe. Help me with what I don't believe. That is not unbelief. That is just doubt, my friends, and that is reality. I want to close with a story, a modern-day story of a person who wrestled between faith and doubt. It was many years ago, a man moved out to the West Coast when he was 30 years old. He was a really good guy, had a really strong faith in God, and he wanted to do some great things for God. He wanted God to impact his life with an amazing, positive future. But he had a friend named Chuck. And this friend went to a very liberal seminary for pastors. He started raising questions about God, especially about the Bible. And his friend, you know, basically asked this, how can you believe the Bible? Do you really believe it's true? And, and, and this guy Chuck started to undermine the man's faith. But there was somebody else in his life, a, a woman who was a strong Bible scholar and she would whisper in his other ear to this man. He'd say, it's not true what this guy's saying. Here's the evidence. Here are the facts. Here's why you can trust the Bible. So this guy, writing in his biography, said this. It felt like I was on a rack, being pulled toward doubt one way and faith another way. He said, if I didn't come to a point of total doubt, I came to a point of being very disturbed by the whole experience, very unsettled, almost willing to throw it away. And then he writes, he said, one day I went for a walk, and as he was walking, he said, God, I need your help in this. I don't want to have a weak faith. I want to have a strong and powerful faith. I want you to use me in a positive way. And so he got down on his knees, and he said this, 
based on all the evidence for the trustworthiness of the Bible, I'm going to, as a choice of my will, accept the Bible as being your word, the word of God, and I'm going to base my life on it, and I'm going to live the way it says that I ought to live, and I'm going to tell everybody I know about it. He writes, I got up off my knees, and it was like God had breathed a fresh life into my faith. I felt like a spiritual battle for my my soul had been fought and finally won. And you know that man, the Reverend Billy Graham. He almost lost his faith. And because he dealt with it, because we dealt with the uncertainty, God used him. Millions of people heard the gospel, have responded to faith in Jesus Christ. So before I pray, I want to say this to you. If you're riddled with questions, uncertainties, doubts, If you ever wonder if God could ever do anything good in your life, just think of Billy Graham and how many people heard the life-saving words of Jesus Christ. And this is a guy that had serious doubts. He had serious questions being whispered in one ear. If I can help you, if I can work with you, if I can pray with you, or if any of us can, please reach out because I believe there's some amazing answers out there. And I'm not blind in my faith. I've got my eyes wide open. And I'd love to walk with you on the journey. Let's pray. Father, as we think about and contemplate the many, many questions we could have about the Bible, it's pretty audacious to think that what's written down on those words that are 2,000 or 4,000 or older than that, years old, are true. That even though in our modern age, our age of technology, our age of science, our age of discovery, that would seemingly speak against that and deny those, that there could be an answer. And yet it's true, God, because you are a true God. You created science. You made math. You discovered all of history as you walked the journey of it. Your hand was right there of providence working through all of it. And here we are in a little sliver of time looking back wondering, is it true? Could it be true? Father, if we're here in that moment, I pray we would just reach out to you and just acknowledge it. And in boldness, we'd reach out to somebody else and just declare our doubt and just say, this is my question. And we would walk the journey of faith because we can't waver anymore. We have to deal with it. We have to acknowledge that you have an answer, but we have to be bold enough and willing enough to step forward. So Father, comfort us in our doubt and our despair. Deal with the issues of emotions and the mind and the will. And may we walk in faith and see many other people come to Jesus because we have conquered the virus of doubt. We pray in your name. Amen.